Hey everyone out there, I'm trying to decide how to do this podcast um, the best way possible where you can get insight and education, but at the same time know my backstory and then other po- and then other cast just kind of my day-to-day of dealing with leaving a toxic relationship and what you kind of go through and your ups, your downs, uh, your feelings just so people aren't alone. Um, therapy can help a lot and that's what made me realize what type of person I was with, but yet it's and I can educate, she could educate me. It's just not the same as actually hearing from someone that's went through it. Um, so I think I will start doing maybe one day a week will be kind of just like an update of what the healing process is like and what I'm going through now as my divorce is about to become finalized and also going back to events I've went through. Um, so people can experience and hear what I went through and hopefully connect with it and be able to know they're not alone or know where I'm coming from with it. So, um, I guess this time I will, I think my last one was about the first affair and I think that was hard and that was when I was pregnant with my first child and, um, there was many times after that where the next ones I would find out about would be after the birth, I think of my third. So it was like a, maybe four years or something like that. Um, that I actually found out about one. There was so many different times where I saw he was messaging or there was stuff I couldn't, he wouldn't, couldn't answer the questions about them. And um, somehow he always just had some reason, had some story, and I always believed it. And I look back now at all those different times where I thought you were messaging or I saw you out the window. Like, what was that? His explanation didn't make sense. And then yet he'd just get so mad at me and just belittle me to the point where I would drop it. And I'm like, how did I drop it so many times? Because what I've learned is if I know of six or seven, then there's probably been five to ten times that many. Because those are the ones that pretty much contacted me. And it's disgusting to know that I will never know how many women there actually was. I will, but I'll never know how, to, how the inside that mind works because a normal human being couldn't even imagine hurting somebody the way that he did and have no feeling whatsoever. So fast forward, I think, to when uh, my youngest, I have three children, was six months, so I had three under preschool. So I think my oldest would have been five or four. And... Um, it was a stressful year and I think his work was going bad. And so I was like, basically on eggshells. I was taking care of a six month old. I was home all the time. And I decided to start building uh, my business. I have a personal business. Um, and doing that while taking care of the house. And he was just gone all the time. Um, golfing, uh, poker games, uh, work trips. I mean, I was basically alone that, that pretty much that year. And then it was in 2012. And I... I accepted it and I wasn't happy. I complained about it. Uh, but then he was just like, I'm just so stressed. I'm just so this. And so I kept on trying to make him feel better and alleviate some of the problems that he might be having. And then, oh my God, did I put him up on a pedestal and kiss his ass and everything I could think of? Because why is he being so weird? And why is he doing this? And why is he so angry? And why is he this? And you just felt useless. And then yet, when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, the amount of stuff I was doing and trying to make him happy, and trying to do this. Well, he just went out, poker, golf, anything he wanted to do, he did. And um, in 2012, I think it was 
he was he was like on his phone all the time, was acting really weird. And so I control I pay all the bills. So I got onto our phone line and I saw a number pop up a lot. Mind you, it just sh- it doesn't show the text. It just shows the number and literally it would be texting I think some days 60 to 80 times in a day. So I started to panic and I'm like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And so I brought in my sister and I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Like, who does he talk to that much? Like, I don't even know. So my sister and I, we're just, you know, we like to hunt down anything and we're good detectives. And, um, well, she decided just, I'm just going to text and say, Hey, is that bed still for sale? Like act like they, you know, just to get her talking, whoever, whoever the person was, get them talk, get her talking. So my sister texts and says, Hey, is the bed still for sale? And actually the woman responds with, um, Actually, it is. It's at my parents' house, though, and da, da, and like, she really had a bed for sale, like a toddler bed. So we were laughing. Now, the funny part of this is, within five minutes of my sister sending that text to that number that was on our phone bill, within five minutes, I get a text from my husband saying, "I'm not cheating on you." Well, why would you send me that? And the girl that you, some girl text you and you're able to recognize that it's my sister's number and we hadn't even set up anything it was just asking about a bed um so he comes home and I show him the phone bill and I'm like freaking out and I start texting the number and the woman actually responds and it was oh it was a college or a high school buddy's old ex-girlfriend I met a long time ago and she just happens to work at the hospital and she's a pharmacy tech and we just happen to run into each other and we just kind of say each other funny stuff and just talk and it's not really a big deal at all and blah 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 blah, blah. and then she maintained the same story but then she started getting mad because I, I said stuff like yeah he keeps on telling me like he'd never be with someone like you that you have tattoos and you smoke and you're disgusting and she just started getting pissed and she's like oh really she still maintained the same story Probably, and they finally was like, you know, that probably wasn't the right thing to do, blah, blah, blah. But I was so hurt. And um, I uh, couldn't take it anymore. I was home by myself all the time. And he was doing that, lying, made me feel bad about it. So on my birthday in, in June of that year, I went and filed for divorce. That was the first time I filed. Um, and oh my God, I got this perfect guy who acted like he was just wonderful and barely left the house and lo and behold um oh actually I filed because in an email oh yes I sorry I have to backtrack and his email was left up one day and I clicked on it um because I didn't know it was his and it said something private I clicked on it and it was a close-up of basically a homemade porn of a penis um getting somebody from behind and I, I know what my husband's penis looks like and, and then something else coming from her saying, I can't wait to give you a facial. And I saw that name. And so I contacted that person in text. And then he came running home when I said, oh, so I get to find a porno. Somehow along this way, he convinced me it was a friend using his email. And then the girl that I text that the name matched up and the picture match up said, I don't know your husband. I, I know a friend of his. And blah, blah, blah. Basically, I kind of supported his story. And I'm like, I know what your penis looks like. But by then, everything had been deleted. I couldn't log into his account. The video was gone. Because he was like, how do you don't even know me? Like, I have freckles here. Like, how would you ever think that that would be my penis? Like, don't you know me? And I felt like an inch tall to the point where I got kicked out of our bedroom. I had to go sleep in the basement. Um, 
because the audacity of me to accuse him of cheating on him and making a porno and da 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 da. Um, so I got sent down to the basement and it was, I couldn't live like that. And so I, uh, I filed for divorce and I said, I'd make it a couple months. And I went and stayed in the, I stayed in the basement and he, you know, he was just being his perfect self and, you know, being everything he wanted to. And so I decided just to stay down there, even though he's like, just come back upstairs. And I just, no, I need my space. I filed for divorce and, uh, I'm like, this isn't right. I don't believe in you now. And lo and behold, I started getting weird symptoms. And um, about the same time I had a cold and he came home and he said, well, he's in medical devices and said his surgeon had given him some uh, antibiotics. So here, take these seven pills um, for the cold. I'm going to take them too, you know, so we don't get sick because, you know, we have a vacation coming up or something like that. And um, I just want to help you out because I hate that you feel sick and you have to take care of the kids and blah, blah. So I took them and then um, it was like a month later, I get a, let me see, I get a call or I get a text and no, it's not, it's way later. Yeah. Okay. So then that takes us up and I missed, I didn't go to my second court date because he was just being this perfect guy. So July, August, September, perfect guy. And so I didn't go to my second hearing. I let the thing lapse and I didn't go for the divorce and uh, started to get back, decided to stay. And, you know, he was being this perfect guy. Well, we built a house and we moved into it in November. The first day we moved in, I get an anonymous email on my business site. Um, for my, um, well, I won't say what I do in case someone listens to this and figures out who I am, but that said, do you ever know where your husband is? He's not really here. He's over here. And just said, basically, he cheats on you all the time. You need to look into this. It's pretty simple. Um, check everything. Ask him for receipts for this because none of those trips will exist because he's not on those trips. Um, and then I panicked. I ended up finding like some dating thing that was through our iTunes because we shared in iTunes. And then I confronted and he just said it was so stupid oh my god that's ridiculous and he left for work and it was like the first week we lived in the house and a number comes up I don't recognize that mind you like a few a month before that some number was calling like 18 times a day from a block number and I wouldn't answer and next you know I get a phone call and it's a woman and she said no the call was no it's from the woman I just want to call you because I heard that someone finally sent you an email. And I'm like, yes, who is this? She's like, I'm the roommate of so-and-so. You talked to her months back. And she gave me the name of the woman I had contacted uh, about the porno. And she said, I lived with her. or um, I had lived with her and I saw everything, basically. She said I had to live with her for a while and your husband... Um, has been seeing her since June. And I just wanted to also warn you that she leaves her husband every summer and goes and just sleeps with people. She's been with about 15 people this summer. And I want you to know she had an STD. Um, I was like, uh, <laughs> that's not what you want to hear. And she knew facts about my husband, knew what he drove, knew everything, and said this is all true. And so that point I had to call my sister over and I was panicking and had three kids and I, was, I had my friend watch them because I just couldn't process. And within an hour or two, I get another phone call 
And it's the husband of the woman who confronted, I guess, my husband in the parking lot before where he made fun of him and everything like that as he watched him walk out of the apartment and been his wife was still denying that she was with anybody, but he knew better and thought I needed to know about it. And I was in shock pretty much about the same time. This was all in the same day. I get a phone call from a person I used to work with a couple years before when I um, was in a different job. And she's like, I'm sorry to tell you this, Casey. I have a friend here because she lives in a different state and, you know, two hours away. A friend, a mutual friend of ours was talking and knows you or whatever and said that they're dating so-and-so. And I looked it up and I said, this man? Yeah. And it's your husband. I, I ha- You had to know. You just have to know. Like, they've been dating for a few months now. And the fact is, when I told her that he, he was married, I mean, she's devastated and doesn't know what to do. And you're free to call her. So I'm sitting here finding out about basically <laughs> three because about this time... I text the original one that said it was just text messaging. And she asked me, did he give you seven pills? Yes. That's the pills to treat STD. I just thought you should know. So I'm like, and I gave them to him. So it didn't come from a surgeon. It came from the woman he wasn't supposed to be talking to and was still talking to and got pills from two months after I come talking to her. And uh, I can't even describe the utter disbelief, feeling like you're floating above your body and just pain And I didn't even really cry. My heart just wouldn't stop racing. My sister came over. My friend came over to take the kids. And I took down all of our social medias because we were on joint for stuff. Because he never wanted them. But I added them in case he wanted to see friends. And all of a sudden he started texting like, why can't I get into this? this?" So we were sitting there waiting when he got home. And I confronted him. And he basically made me feel an inch tall. Ripped into my sister. Made her feel like her husband was cheating on her. Um, I mean, they're just good. I mean, a narcissist is so good at turning around. Started yelling at me and saying, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Uh, And then right when we're standing there, my phone rings. It's the one he's been seeing. And she says, I said, that's funny. I put her on speakerphone. I said, so you don't know this one. And you said it was just, you know, something through work. And I said, have you ever had sex with this woman? And she's on speakerphone. And she's like, I'll let him answer that. And she, he goes, no, I would never do that. I would never, ever, ever do that. Like, oh my gosh. And you could just hear the wind get knocked out of her. And of all the women, she's the only one I reached back out to recently when I was trying to be at peace. And I saw that she's remarried now since it was, this was 2012. Um, and just recently got remarried like last year. And I said, I, I, I basically said thank you because she was the only one that called me because she was genuinely sorry. Because he had shown her the divorce papers I had filed in June that had already lapsed. And thought she was dating him. And was lied to the whole time. And when we got family pictures taken that fall, she started questioning him. And he stopped talking to her as much. Mind you, I hear he went on trips all the time and was staying with her. And I hear that he told me he had trips and he was staying with the local one that was literally 20 minutes away in you know, apartments where you met on a, I guess, on a screw app and they met in a Walmart parking lot and it went back to her apartments and met every Friday. So he had three that summer. I left to go get my kids and my sister talked to him and he finally admitted to that and he made a mistake and all this stuff. But 
the hard part about this is you want to find fault in something because it says they always say there's two people. And the one thing that the therapist had told me, um, and sometimes there's just not a reason besides that they're sick. And my friends are like, I, you know, I could find a reason. Like you didn't sleep with them. You didn't do this. And they're all like, I can't find a reason to justify his behavior. You, I had sex the many time you wanted to for all those years. I mean, we probably averaged two to three times a week. I never turned him down. I did, he didn't know how to do dishes. He didn't know how to do laundry. I did everything. Um, I always did something where I made some kind of money, even though I was home because I felt so bad that he had to be the earner, even though he made a very good income. And then we got to a good place and you would have never guessed because he seemed happy. I mean, I was, it, it blew my mind. And I said, I'd give it a couple months. And, you know, he went and slept in the basement this time and begged and acted like this perfect guy again for months and months. Mind you, then the other girl, local, the porno girl finally started contacting me and then sending me crappy messages and all this stuff. And friends of them started sending me messages and people started making fake profiles on Facebook. So I had to make myself private because... Friends of friends were messaging. Next thing you know, people were talking about my neighborhood because one of the girls worked at the local hospital, so the nurses were finding out. But I got blamed for all of it because I must have confided in somebody that was a big mouth. And I knew I hadn't because everybody that knew stories, they knew stuff I didn't know. Then I find out before I even knew, people were talking about it, neighbors that I didn't know and then I became friends with. Before I had found out, people were talking about it and had looked up the hospital girl on Facebook and were talking about it at coffee. And I hadn't even found out at that point. So I still get blamed for people spreading rumors, I guess, around locally. <clears throat> That's why I want this podcast and everything for now to be uh, anonymous because I'm not trying to start shit up when I'm divorcing and he's just somebody I don't want to anger because it's just not worth the drama. I'm just here to kind of just to educate and to share my story and <clears throat> how you feel. So back then in 2012 when there was three, I stayed. Um... He was perfect and everything you wanted to. And then you in your mind, how messed up your mind is and you don't even realize it because it took me until a year ago to even figure out how mind, you know, fucked I was and manipulated. And But it was my normal. It was my normal for that many years, my normal. And I, I, I couldn't see it. And it's so sad I couldn't see the manipulation. And I stayed and I'm, I, you, know, you know what? I'm glad I did stay because my children were so small. I feel like if I would have left then, they would have been able to be manipulated and turned against me. Now they won't. My youngest goes back and forth and he can manipulate him, but he would never take him like from me. He would never get him to turn on me uh, because he's very close with me. Also, he just likes being bribed. So I wouldn't have not been able to have shared custody with my little kids and my six month old. I couldn't have dealt with it. So it wasn't meant to happen then, you know? God puts you through these things for some reason. And I think mine was just to make it where my kids would be the least affected because we weren't people that fought in front of them. They were people that were, I mean, we were just, we always believed in that. And so they, they were, I think, oblivious to a lot of it until they got older when I filed and they could tell I was unhappy every day when I filed last year. Because, you know, you're getting one that's near a teenager and one that's, you know, almost 11 and they knew it and it was like the right time to do it. But at the time that all that came out and he started being perfect, I... I should have left. I'm glad I didn't now for the kids, but um, <laughs> your mind is so messed up that you're, you see this person acting so perfect and you're like, no, it's not fair. If I leave, somebody else gets that version of him. Someone else gets the version that I fought for, that I deserved. 
And not, that's not right. I deserve that person. And you stay. And, oh, I'll put a tracker on my phone. Oh, I'll do all these things. Just And then a month, it dwindles. It dwindles. And six months in, it's he's back to just really like nothing happened. And it took me a long time. And I... And it was brought up all the time because it was never salvaged. We went to a counselor twice, once together. He went twice and it was a waste of time for him because he already knew he was wrong in the situation. So why get told it? And so he wouldn't go back and he wouldn't let me go back. And it was just very hard time to just look at him, to hug him, to do anything. I was intimate with him, but I wouldn't do certain things because I just couldn't imagine where I'd been. And... All the while, I would be on the floor in my bathroom and couldn't get off of it. And and when the kids were napping or the kids were asleep and he had to go a work trip, but yet showing me like, oh, but I'm not doing anything and like trying to stay in touch with me on every work trip. But then now I find out, you know, I don't know what those work trips even were then because the way I look at it, he never stopped. He was always talking to somebody and um, I... I don't know if I'll ever, well, I'll never know everything he did, but it's just, it was a sad life and I'm glad I had a few friends that I could call and be like, please get me off this floor. I need to be a mom. And, and they did and they helped me. And I'm, I mean, this is like 2012 and it still brings tears to your eyes because you remember how low you felt and you remember like you couldn't get off the floor. And he could just fall asleep at night. And it was nothing. And he could lie to your face over and over again. And even when we lived there, I tried to grab his phone one time and he freaked out on me. And so I know there was something going on. And there was more times where I questioned stuff and he couldn't answer me. And I just left it, al- just left it alone. And I shouldn't have. And I, it was just, I wanted to be worth something. I was the mother of his three children. I've been there for everything. And that should mean something. That should mean something. To any human, that should mean something. And you just push for it and push for it. And like, no, it's, you, I have to mean something. And you stay. And you want, you want him to prove. You want to be worth it. You want him to show you. And, and the, yet you have this desire to just keep on pleasing him. And then you realize that once you learn about narcissists and sociopaths, like, it's that breadcrumbs they give you. Act perfect and take it away, belittle you, make you feel little. But then when they give you that great feeling, it's like a drug. And and you and you yearn for it. And that's why when you leave, you'll yearn for it still, even though you know what they did. And you know how wrong it was. You'll still just want to be wanted. And it's so messed up. And that's why I went I hadn't went to counseling in a little bit. I'm going back because in the last year. He's came back at me twice. And so the last one was like three weeks ago or eight weeks. He was this perfect guy and I didn't take him back. I knew better. I told myself he was lying and I wouldn't let him, you know, I kept on telling him no. But then when he like went psycho on me again, I was devastated again. I had no intention of being with him, but yet your mind is still like, God, like why can't this whole happen to make you a better person, a better father? And it was all a game and he was still with someone else and he just is disgusting and back with them and oh, that most hateful texts to me. And it's just, I wish I wouldn't have put myself in that position because a year ago I said, a year from now I'll be in such a good place. And instead I, a year ago and then now I'm back to where he just crushed me again. I mean, 
I, I don't know. It's all a learning experience and I will continue to learn and I will continue to take one day at a time and know that I have, I mean, 18 years of this behavior and this abuse that I need to not be so hard on myself. Whether I get mad at myself, I need to know that eventually I'll be healthy. Eventually his comments won't get to me. Eventually I can find laughter and, and how ridiculous he is. Um, for right now it hurts. For right now, it's been a year basically I've been alone. Um, and he's had somebody all the time and shows no empathy to anything and is just disgusting and didn't care to be around the kids and, and then blames it all on me because everything with a narcissist is your fault. So no matter how stupid it sounds, it's your fault. And one day at a time. Um, but that's my second grouping of three different women in one summer in 2012. And I stayed and I filed, but I let it lapse and it wouldn't be for a couple more years that I think something else happened, but that is kind of more of my background and also a little bit of kind of what I'm dealing with now. So um, tune in um, maybe in a couple days or something and we can go over another one or I don't know, you know, might be in the mood to write more. I'm also writing a book now because just to get my feelings out. And it's, it is really therapeutic and I urge people to do that. Write it out. And if you're still in an abusive relationship, what I started doing was told to do is, uh, especially with the narcissist, is when they, when they hit hard, when they take you to your core and to the floor with a comment or a, something to hurt you, write it down. Have a notebook somewhere. Write it down because what was said. But, and write it right when it's fresh in your mind because you know a week later, a month later, you're going to bring that up and be like, how could you have said that or done that? And they're going to say, what are you even talking about? That is not what I said. Why do you always have to change what I said? That is not what I said. And they'll change it. And you will question your reality so much. And most of you probably already do because that's how they build you. you, you they can make you question anything. But when you write it down and you have something that you know, you wrote two minutes after it happened. You can go back and read and be like, no, I know this. And it, it, you don't even have to throw that in, in their face. It's for you inside to know, no, I'm not crazy. I didn't make this up. My reality is right. Uh, he's not changing the reality of the situation. And I read it and I read it and I would know, no, I know what it says. Because what they don't understand is when you're hurt and you're crushed by a comment and you're crushed by actions and you're crushed by this, it scars you. And it's no different than anything else in life. You have a big scar on your arm. You have a big this and some big accident happened. You're going to look at that scar. You're going to remember what happened. I remember verbatim everything he says, the ones that really dug. And I, there is no, you know, making that go away because I remember it anyway, but I also wrote it down. So don't let them question your reality. And I wish I would have started that way sooner than I did. Um, I didn't start it even till last year. <laughs> so, and that was 17 years in. Write it down. Don't let them make you question yourself and make you feel crazy. Because that's all I felt for years was I was ridiculous. Or why did I bring up the affairs? Or why did this? Because they were wrong and never made it better. His behavior never changed. Nothing ever came of it. Like, that is why I brought it up. Because I did not heal because he did not let me. So... Food for thought from somebody been through it. Right, right, right. Get it out. Um, 
have a person that you can talk to. Um, I was in those type of relationships. I did. I, I didn't have friends. I never went out for a, a girl's night dinner. I never did anything it, besides him. I was with him and that was it. And I, I, I was alone. I didn't have a big, strong support system. My sisters are amazing. My family's been amazing. Um, and I did have a couple of friends, but yet you got to the point where you didn't tell them all that stuff and you didn't talk to them as much. And the strong friends that you have are the ones that he likes the least. And all that stuff stands out to me now, but keep your support system there. Even if you're in the midst of it and you can't imagine leaving and you just know something's wrong, don't neglect some of those friendships, whether you meet in person or just send an email or anything secretive. Keep those connections because I'm fortunate enough where even though I didn't do a lot outside my marriage, I had a few that friends from childhood and a few close people that I probably should have done more with. I should have been there. I wasn't. And they were there. And they stepped up and couldn't have done it without them. So build your village around you. And... I guess I will tune in for the next time I bring up what I've been through or maybe a current problem I'm having, you know, with the divorce finalized with children and co-parenting or just stuff to relax um, and breathe and just don't be too hard on yourself. So everyone have a great day and I will, I guess you'll hear from me soon. Bye.